exactly is the story between parents and children, or better, between children and parents. Our expectations are very high. We hold parents to a very high standard. As one very angry teenage girl said, if my mother doesn't know how to raise me, she shouldn't have had me. Pretty strong words. Now for many, many years, I'm talking millennia. Parents were the source of everything. Without parents, you simply did not survive. Because uh, you were pretty helpless. You were very dependent on your parents. Tradition, which was very important, came from the parents. Family rules, family customs, the very fabric of life. It was all decided, chosen, and created by the parents. Without the parents, you were adrift with no place to go. And so the dependence on parents was very, very strong. Something happened, something changed. Like uh, 30 years ago, And all of a sudden, children and parents didn't have that same dependence. In a negative, in a very negative perspective, parents were distracted. They were too busy. Many, many people chose not to become parents. They knew they wouldn't have time for it. Other things were more pressing. Other things were more important. Other things were more uh, enjoyable. So they didn't have children at all. Those who did have children tried their best, but they really couldn't focus completely, properly, full time. So to the parents, children were not what they used to be. They used to be the entire life of the parent. The parents' lives were centered, focused, built entirely around the kids, for better or for worse. On the other hand, children were suddenly not so dependent on their parents. So in the early part of the, of the, of the 20th century, Children walked away from their homes, traditional religious practicing homes. They walked away and said, I'm not interested. Never looked back. Was that good? Was that, who's to say? It was as good as any other lifestyle. So all of a sudden we discovered that children can have lives that don't, that don't evolve around the parents. They don't come from the parents. 
the chain of tradition was broken. A little later in the 20th century, the reverse happened. Children went off and became religious from totally non-observant, non-religious families. And again, for better or for worse. But look at what happened. All of a sudden, the vision of life, the definition of life, did not necessarily involve your parents or your parents' life. Deb actually remarked about this, and uh, I forget exactly which year it was, but the Rebbe proclaimed that year, must have been in the 80s, the Rebbe declared that year the year of the Jewish boy and girl, and made many projects, a lot of emphasis on children. And the Rebbe mentioned that he's calling it the year of the boy and the girl, not the son and the daughter. Because what's happening to children today does not come from their parents. So the fact that you're a son or the fact that you're a daughter is not the most, the most um, decisive or determining factor. So it's a boy and a girl independent of who the parents are. And it has become more so with every passing year. Now that's both good news and bad. The bad news is we don't get much guidance. We don't get much wisdom. We don't get much help from our parents when we think we need it. It's upsetting, it's disturbing, it's frightening. On the other hand, we don't really want them to decide for us. Which gives us an independence, which gives us a freedom. If you want to put it in Jewish context, our connection to God always came from our parents. If your parents were observant, you were observant. If they weren't, you weren't. I mean, growing up, what did you know about God? Whatever your parents showed you, whatever your parents told you. The good news your relationship with God is not dependent on your parents. Everyone has their own direct relationship to God and God has no grandchildren. So if your father is a child of God, you should be the grandchild, but you're not. You are as much God's child as your father is, as your grandfather was, all the way back to Abraham. So there's a certain independence of parents or from parents that is simply a fact of life in our, in our generation.
It could be good, it could be bad, like anything else in life. So let's take a quick look. If you want to be healthy and successful, if you want to be a good person, if you want to have a meaningful life, don't look to your parents. Don't need to. If your parents were good and inspiring and nurturing, that's fine. That's not where you're getting your strength from. You can thank them and you can be grateful, but know that your relationship with life, your relationship to the creator, your relationship to God is your own. And by the same token, if your parents did very little to help you, you can do it without them. This is our generation. We're not really taught. Actually, we're not taught much about anything, are we? We're not taught how to be independent from our parents. On the contrary, we're taught that you have to listen to your parents and you have to follow their example and they have to be your role models. And when they're not, we don't know what to make of it. We're confused, we're devastated, we're, 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 we feel cheated, deprived. So one of the prophecies that is coming true in our time is that the, before the coming of Mashiach, all tradition will come from children to their parents. That's an amazing prophecy. I mean, there are certain prophecies that almost anybody could make, you know? It's like, before Mashiach comes, uh, uh, the leaders of the generation are going to be um, unimpressive. <laughs> That's a pretty safe prediction, right? Before Mashiach comes, there will be a lot of chutzpah. Okay, pretty safe prediction. But to say that there will come a time when tradition will move from the younger generation to the older generation, that's totally unnatural. How does that work? How did the tradition reach the child if it skipped the parent? And now the child has to inspire the parent? Totally backwards. Like water flowing uphill. And yet that's what's happening. That is what's happening. Everywhere in the world, parents are trying to live up to their children's values. Or they're trying to discover some values because their children are asking. So the children are moving and inspiring their parents towards a more meaningful life. That can be confusing and scary for the children. But it needn't be. If we had been warned, if we had been told right from the start, parents are great. They bring you into this world. You owe them forever. 
You have to honor them forever for bringing you into this world. Other than that, your relationship with God may be a lot healthier than theirs. And now it's your turn to make a difference in your parents' lives. So if we could get that idea in our minds to begin with, we can have a much more productive conversation. The dependence, the need, the, um, the, the, the essential role that parents once played, not necessary anymore. So it's not true that if your parents don't nurture you, you can't make it in life. Oh, please. <laughs> not true. Hasn't been true for a while. So what do we do if parents are abusive or simply indifferent, unavailable? If we're talking physical abuse, there's, there, there's no reason for this conversation. Physical abuse is not acceptable. You get yourself out of there and you stop the abuse. Then you can think about your relationship with your parents. But while the abuse is going on, no conversations. I wrote a book about relationships years ago and somebody said, how come there's no chapter on abuse? Is it because abuse is not part of a relationship? Why should a book on relationships have a chapter on abuse? And besides, if you're being abused, <laughs> close the books, do something. So let's not talk about criminal behavior, which is kind of rare, hopefully. Let's talk about the common, more average problem where parents simply don't understand their children, they're too distracted, they can't be bothered, or that they're not good role models. They're modeling a very unhealthy life. What do children do? So I gotta start off with, with a dis disclaimer. I was talking to a group of women many years ago, but the story is still funny. Uh, and I said something about every daughter naturally grows up to be like her mother. Of course, when you're a teenager, you're nothing like your mother because you're a teenager and your mother's a mother. But when you become a mother, you will find yourself acting and sounding like your mother, which is not a bad thing. I know that always gets a strong reaction. This one woman jumps out of her chair and she says, that is not true. Maybe, by, maybe in your family, maybe you had a normal mother, but my mother was destructive and manipulative and controlling and she ruined her marriage and she ruined my brother's marriage and she... She says, 
What would you do if that was your mother? I said, well, then you take her out in the backyard and you shoot her. This woman says, no, no, seriously. I said, oh, I'm serious. What you described needs killing. <laughs> she says, no, no, come on. She wasn't that bad. Uh-huh. She wasn't that bad. Well, then finish the description, because what you described is a total monster. Obviously, your mother was not a total monster. So why do you describe her like that? This young woman tells me how much she hated her father. Hated him. The most evil man in the world. And then one day she says, he did it again. He took the car in the Midwest on a snowy, stormy day. He drove off. Nobody knows where he is. Uh, the, the roads are, are, are dangerous. Who knows if he's even alive? I said, oh, that would be nice. He'd finally be rid of him. She says, God forbid, what are you saying? I said, oh, so, so you don't hate him the way you make it sound. Can you start all over again? Tell me about your father. When our language is extreme, when our descriptions are totally inflexible, we're probably not telling the truth. And you know what the proof is? With this, with this woman in the audience? How did I know that her mother was not as bad as she made her out? Because the daughter was not so bad. So I asked her, if you were raising a daughter and you did exactly what your mother did to you, you did that to your daughter. Oh, that would be horrible. Yeah, I said, but what would the result be? The result would be that you would have a daughter like you. Is that terrible? And if you think that's terrible, you've got some other problems. So if you're intelligent enough to be critical of your parents, then they did something right. Even, even if it wasn't intentional, they taught you what not to be. So speak in rational terms. Don't go ballistic because ballistic is never true. You're either exaggerating faults or exaggerating virtues. There's no need. There's no need to exaggerate. The truth is pretty dramatic as it stands. No need for embellishment. So, practically speaking, what should a 16-year-old do if the parents are simply not parenting? So first, let's make a distinction 
between mothering and parenting. How does a woman become a mother? She gives birth. She gives birth. She risks her life because every pregnancy is a risk. She risks her life, carries the baby, nurtures it to maturity, and then goes through labor and feeds the baby or nurses the baby until the baby is old enough to hate his mother. So how do you become a mother? You give birth. And that's the one thing your mother does for you that you cannot do for her. Now, having become a mother, she now needs to become a parent or with a father. Once the father has given birth to you, now he has to parent you. Those are two separate things. Honor your father and mother is different from honor your parent because someone else can parent you. No one else can give birth to you. So if your parents gave birth to you, but they're not parenting you, do you have a right to take them to court? Can you say, you owe me? You're supposed to be parenting me. And if you don't parent me, I'll take you to court and demand my rights. No, you don't have rights. Your mother is not obligated to parent you. She has a mitzvah to parent you. Your father has a mitzvah to parent you. If they're not fulfilling their mitzvah, you can't take them to court. They don't owe it to you. They owe it to God. God says, I will bless you with a child, but I'm expecting you to nurture them and parent them. So if the parent doesn't parent, they have to answer to God, but not to their children. Give you a quick example. A poor man knocks on your door. He says, can I have my money? And you say, I have, I have your money? I don't owe you any money. And the poor man says, yes, you do. Come on, I read the Bible. You know what it says. When the poor man extends his hand, you must give him. Yeah, I read that part of the Bible. I read that commandment in the Torah. But that's a commandment that God gives me. God asks me to give you my money. When did it become yours? You have no right to it. It's my mitzvah. If I choose not to do the mitzvah, that's between me and God. But you can't come in here and take money as if it's yours. Same thing is true with parenting. Parenting is a mitzvah that parents have. If they're not fulfilling their mitzvah, well, shame on them. But you can't come and demand it as your right. This is very important. 
not pleasant, but important. Once your parents give birth to you, they have no further obligations to you. Their obligation is to God. So you can't be outraged as if you were cheated out of something that is rightfully yours. And now that we've come to this point, we have to make another thing very, very clear. The idea that I deserve better, I deserve more, I deserve something else, that whole idea is so unhealthy. It's so wrong-minded. I don't deserve anything. Nobody does. <clears throat> I don't know where this notion of deserving even comes from. And yet you listen to the advertisements, to the language that people use. Every child deserves an education. Really? What do children do to deserve an education? They don't deserve, they didn't earn it. So, the advertisement that says, buy this product, this hair product, because you deserve beautiful hair. What kind of nonsense is this? What does one do to deserve hair? Or even, even more important things. This, this uh, news station says, we report the news because you have a right to know. You deserve to know. I deserve to know? Why? Because I'm curious? This whole notion of deserving is so unhealthy. I mean, imagine you're a four-year-old. And you keep hearing this. Every child deserves a good meal. Every child deserves a good education. Every child deserves a loving home. Every child deserves the, uh, the, uh, the opportunities to be whatever they want to be. And you grow up with this message over and over again. You deserve, you deserve, you deserve. Then you go out into the real world and what you think you deserve just doesn't happen. That is devastating. If I'm not getting what I deserve, then life stinks. Okay, if I don't deserve it, I don't deserve it. I'll do without. But you tell me I deserve it and at the same time I won't get it? I hate this world. So let's do ourselves a favor. We don't deserve. It's fake news. We don't deserve anything. We're born for free. We are fed for free. So 
Life is a gift, not deserved. Now, it's very nice for me to believe and feel that you deserve better. I don't really mean deserve. I don't mean you worked hard for it and therefore it's only right that you should have it. Maybe you didn't work hard. So what I mean when I say you deserve better means I wish better for you. But it's not a legal thing, like you deserve it and you can sue somebody. So yes, every poor man deserves a meal. Not legally. You can't walk into my house and take a meal because you think you deserve it. So that notion of, you know, people deserve better or this person is suffering so much. No, he doesn't deserve. He deserves better. Meaning I wish better for him. It's not a legal statement. It's a sentiment. So if we're suffering because we're not getting what we think we deserve, the problem is in the expectation. Don't deserve. The name of the game, the story of life is, whatever you have, can you turn it into a blessing? You know that cooking show contest? They give you certain ingredients and challenge you to make a delicious food out of it. That's what life is. God gives you certain abilities, certain gifts, certain time, certain strengths, and says, okay, well, what can you do with this? Say, well, I don't want to work with this. I want different conditions. You're just frustrating yourself. Because whatever God gave you, you can make a life out of. You can. So I was speaking to this young girl who had a really, really horrific childhood. Unspeakable. As she was telling me the story, I, I thought the way she's making it up. She's making it up. This can't be true. But it was true. Anyway, she finally somehow ended up in a day school, in an observant day school. And she learned about God and she learned about Moshiach and she became optimistic until she turned 17. Things had not gotten better in her life. And by the time she reached 17, her faith in God and her trust in Moshiach, it all out the window. She was devastated all over again. This is terrible. Nothing is right. The world stinks, right? So somebody asked me to talk to her about her belief in Moshiach. She says, no, no, no. It, it's not true. The world is not getting any better and uh, Mashiach is not going to fix everything and I don't believe it. 
So when she finished, I said simply, uh, okay, now that you've come to that conclusion, what are you going to do? I was worried she was suicidal. She says, well, now that I know the problem, when I get older, I will find a way to make things better. So I said, make things better? Not in this world. This world is bad. She says, oh, come on. You can always make it better. I said, and you don't believe in Moshiach? Listen to yourself. That is the strongest most meaningful belief in Mashiach I've ever heard. No matter how bad and ugly the world is, we can always make it better. That's the answer. Yes, there's ugliness in the world, in your life, in your family. Real. It's real. Can you make it better? Of course you can make it better. In fact, the reason you were exposed to all this ugliness is because you can make it better. Is that asking too much from a teenager? Maybe even a pre-teenager? No. No. The power that children have today is unprecedented. A four-year-old can turn the family around. If you're not four, if you're older than that, you can certainly turn your whole family around. and bring light where there's darkness, bring some sweetness where there's a lot of bitterness. Yes. So here's the story. We didn't start the fire. The world is not an ugly world because somebody messed it up. It's not true. The world is an ugly world because it was created ugly. It's the lowest of all possible worlds, which means it's the ugliest of all worlds. Heaven is prettier than earth. And there are many heavens, all of them nicer than earth. And yet God places us on earth. Not to mess it up, to fix it. So anytime we see something ugly, we have a choice. You either let it frighten you. You say such ugliness cannot be fixed. 
a world this ugly will never be pretty. Or we say, wow, this is what I need to fix. I better get busy. I better get busy. Lots of work to do. In fact, somebody wrote to the Lebum. Sounds like a teenage boy from the letter. He says, I'm depressed. I can't do anything. I Dysfunctional. <laughs> the Lebum says, you know, I would love to be depressed and just not do anything. But who can afford to do that when there is so much that needs to get done? So don't be intimidated by the ugliness, even if it's right there in your own family. Ugliness is something that needs attention. You know, we say this about children. A child is misbehaving, the child is throwing tantrums, the child is stealing, the child is lying, the child is being violent. And we don't blame the child. We say, wow, this kid needs attention. Healthy attention. This kid needs a little help. Don't run away. Same is true with the world itself, life itself. Life itself throws tantrums. Don't run away. It needs your attention. It needs your help. So don't, don't be frightened. There was this one very, very angry teenager who had rebelled against her religious parents. She went off and lived a completely immoral lifestyle like, you know, way to the opposite extreme. And she had been doing this like four years. And when I spoke to her, she got really defensive and really angry. And she said, my mother will not ruin my life. I refuse to let my mother ruin my life. She cannot control me. So looking at her, the way she was dressed, the way she was behaving, the way she was talking. I said, you know, your mother has had absolutely no influence on you for at least four years. What are you screaming about? You're still fighting your mother? You're completely independent of her. What do you mean she can't control you? She isn't controlling you. But more than that, I said, you're right not to let your mother control your life. What that means is you treat her like a mother. You treat her like a mother, no matter what she does. Why should she control your life? You want to be a daughter. You are a daughter. So you act like a daughter to your mother, regardless of how she behaves towards you. Why are you letting her determine what kind of daughter you're going to be? So honor her out of complete independence. That should be your rebellion.
your independence. She kind of liked the idea. Why do you have to destroy yourself to prove that your mother can't control you? Prove that your mother can't control you by deciding what kind of daughter you want to be based on your standards. Because this is a devastating thing. The worst part of a dysfunctional relationship between a daughter and a mother or a son and a father is that the daughter can't be a daughter. Okay, the mother is a failure as a mother. That's sad enough. The consequence is now the daughter can't succeed as a daughter. And that hurts. Because if you are a daughter, but you're not successful as a daughter, you're not getting off to life on the right foot. A daughter should be a successful daughter. A child should be a successful child. Then you move on to becoming a successful adult. But if you don't succeed in childhood, that's a strike against you. So the biggest devastation when parents don't parent properly is that it forces the son to be frustrated because he's not a, a successful son. And the daughter is frustrated because she wants to be a good daughter. Why should she suffer on account of the parents' failures? So here's the conclusion. You want to get your life together? Stop looking to your parents. Look to your creator. What does God tell you to do? Because your parents can fail. God never fails. So ask God, what do I need to do to be successful? In other words, what do I need to do to fulfill my purpose and to make my life what it's meant to be? In very simple language, your life does not end. Your mission is not over just because your parents failed. It's, even, it's, a, it's a greater challenge than you thought. Your life has more meaning than you expected. It's not as easy as you expected but it's much richer than you thought. You can make life out of almost nothing. That's amazing. So God says, honor your parents, honor your mother and father, meaning act independently. See, God doesn't say, if your parents are nice, no. Isn't that ironic? Most people think that the commandment, honor your parents, your mother and father, means be dependent on them. It means the opposite. Honor them. Don't ask them 
Don't bounce off them. Do the right thing. The right thing for you, even if they're not doing the right thing for them. So to sum it all up, it comes down to one simple thing. God gives us an existence. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Now we need to make a life out of that existence. That's completely up to us. Don't look to your parents. Don't look to your grandparents. To make a life, that's between you and God. And you can make a life out of whatever existence you have. Pleasant? Good. Make a life out of a pleasant existence. Painful existence? Good. So make a life out of a painful existence. It'll probably end up even sweeter. So don't forget who you are and what your life is all about. Don't be a victim. We're never victims. We're given handicaps. We're given challenges. But if we accept it, we can turn it into beauty. Like the girl said, can always make it better. We have a Sunday night program for VIPs that you might be interested in. It's informal, it's questions and answers, it's conversation. It's really relaxed, it's really pleasant, enjoyable, informative, and uh, kind of community-like. It's a Sunday night program, there's a um, Wednesday morning program for the VIPs, and there's a Wednesday night program. All of it, just conversation, casual, laid back, unscripted. So join us, take a look, click uh, the link below and see which, which of the three suits you best and join us for some enjoyable conversation.